We on. Welcome everyone to another week with your host Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen. What an honor and what a schuss we have to be here again. And we would like to thank everyone for calling up, asking their questions and being brave. And with Siyasa Deshmai, we'll be able to answer your question. We're here to create a mental health awareness. The number to call up to ask your question is 718-663-5858-718-683-5858. Rav Nissen, who do we have on the phone? We have right now Mrs. C from UK. Okay, Mrs. C from the UK. Hello? Yes, hello. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you very much. Um, thank you so much, first of all, for your program. I really appreciate it. Um, wow, our honor and our schuss. I want to ask you a question. Um, I'm doing a counseling course here in London, and it's BACP accredited. Um, I know that you're always um, telling everybody to go to a licensed therapist, which I understand the importance of that. But um, being a trainee, um, I, w- I wondered how, what, how I would able, you know, how, the, how you would tell everybody to look at us as the trainees and get placements for that, because obviously we need to train in order to become licensed. Well, first of all, I don't know what those letters are that you said you're doing a BC something, so I don't know what that is. I don't know it's if a it's a social work degree, but I will explain it. It's a course. Well, I'm saying has... I don't know if it's a licensing degree or if this is a course. There are some people that do an entire year course, but it's not licensed. So I don't know what this workshop is. It's in England. It's a different degree. So I have no idea. But okay, the let's same take is your value. question. I just wondered what your take is on that. That's right. So the question is, how do you go to a student? Right. They don't know what they're doing yet. Right. Correct. Is that your question? That is my question, yes. And the answer is very simple. When there is someone going to a student, the supervisors first make sure that it's a case that a student can handle. They don't send them hard cases. Yeah, Number two. I thought you were going to say that, but you know what? Wait, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Number two, the cases, every person is supervised by two therapists in the United States. They have a therapist on site. I'm sorry, they have a supervisor on site. At any time, they have the supervisor there. The supervisor needs to sign off on every single note. So when I had to write a note after every session that I met, the supervisor had to sign it, reviewed it completely, make sure everything was done right. Especially in America, there's a huge amount of paperwork that there's almost impossible for you know, to know how to do it without ample supervision. So you're getting training. So they're reviewing your notes, and they sign it, so they're legally attached to that. Besides, for in college, you now have a second supervisor that everyone's got to usually bring up their issues and discuss what's the difficulties that they had that week. Right. So that is how it works in the United States. understand. Okay, here it works a little bit different. And I just want want to know some... um, you, you know, we don't really know what comes in through the door, right? We can say we're working not with, you know, stuff, and in the end we don't know what comes through. So wait, let's get something straight. Well, so you imagine, just pass it on after you're, that. wait, are you working in a facility? Yes. I'm working how at many the moment, supervisors, I'm how many people on top of you are there if you need help on that second? No, I'm not working in the facility. I'm working. I'm in a course, and I'm working at the moment in a school setting. Wait, your has, course? I don't know what a course means. It works differently. It's not regular. It's a different type. It's different to the. So don't to, ask me questions know, on a regular. Tell me a government system. Tell me a psychiatrist in England. Tell me a social worker in England where it's licensed. Don't tell me courses. Licensing. It, it Do you works. work? Anyone in England that gets a course from the government in England, which is certified, yes. supervised by the yes. National Health Care of England. Yes, so it works, under, it works like this. There's BACP accredited, which... I'll you tell you what, let's not go down that subject, because we're talking hours. about different countries. I can't talk for England. I'm not discussing right. okay. what happens in England. We okay. can also clarify, if I can get a little controversial... I don't yes. understand why America is trying to be like Canada and like England with nationalizing the healthcare system. When to get a surgery, you got to wait six months for it. 
When you go to Canada and you want to go to a hospital now, there aren't even rooms. You're now in the hallways with little curtains in the hallways. So besides the point, I can't equate an American system where there is still a capitalist component and you can get, I don't want to use the word better service, but better health service than in those countries where it's a national system. So I can talk about America. Okay. Okay, I just wanted what your take is on it and understand yep. that we I don't know. I don't here. know what these courses are. I don't know the supervision. I don't know what the government recognizes, how much. There are, yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, yes, we do have social workers, by the way, that go into school settings. And then you've got a supervisor, which you speak to, uh, that's on hand. I did one of my years an internship in two yeshivas. So there the supervisor was not on hand. But right after I did my six hours, I would sit down with a supervisor once a week right after I was there. And, if I, and when I needed them two, three times, they were available on that second. I had their personal self, and that's what they're there for. Of course. Of course we have supervision. I know that. that it just works differently. So just yeah, so supervision. Yeah, that's how supervision works. Versus if you take an alternative therapy, there usually isn't supervision. And if there is... It's usually not by someone that's licensed that understands what's going on or those levels. So I don't want to attack the other systems. I'm just saying supervision is a very integral part. Yeah, that I know, of course. Oh, of course we have that. Okay. okay, great. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Let us go to another caller, and the number is Mrs. Is this Mrs. C or this is Mrs. R? Who are we going to have this? We go to Mrs. S. Mrs. S, you're on the air with Mordechai and her of Nissen on JRadio.com. Hi, good, good afternoon. So I have a question which has bothered me for quite a while. It's in my element during my elementary years, I had a classmate. Which she was, she came from a hard home, and she was considered in the class as a class nib. I always tried yeah. to be nice to her, and there were many other girls who tried to be nice to her. When during the high school years, she lost one of her parents, she became a Yusoma, and that's when things became harder. I mean, she became very sensitive, and it, it was hard to deal with her. It's like she would be. She used to tell me. Like, oh, this girl called me, and I know she just called me out of pity and out of rachmunas. It's like she used to get very quickly insulted. So that's when yeah. I got afraid that maybe she's, she's insulted with me as well. And I'm, instead of doing any good, I'm just hurting her. So that's when I decided I'd like to cool off a little our relationship, and that's what happened. I stopped calling her. I was still friendly to her in school, but I just stopped calling her. And then when we graduated, okay. seeing that I stopped calling her during my school years, I, of course, did not call her after that as well. Okay. 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 Yeah. So um, I, I kind of cut off with her. Now she's married. She lives out of town. And I really have nothing with her. It's when we, when we meet, of course, I'm friendly to her, but it's like I hardly meet her. And I feel guilty and bad what happened. Yes. Now, let's, what's your question? So my question is, if I should, like, start calling her and, like, be friendly to her, like, try to, like, uh, reconnect our friendship, or I should just let time pass and do nothing? So let me understand. Why do you want to reconnect to someone that you haven't spoken to in years? I, I know, because I feel bad for her. It's not so many years. So if have. you feel so, bad for her, she might be very happy. And if you're feeling guilty, she has to be now your case. I know, I know, but I'm not sure that she is happy. I know that she really she doesn't have any school friends now. So let's oh. understand something. You're feeling guilty, and now you're projecting onto her. Maybe meeting you will make it worse for her. Right. Let's recognize dealing with your guilt is what's important. Okay. So what are you going to do about your guilt? So How do you deal with guilt? I should just like say that, I should think that if I'll 
be, become good with her once again, I won't help her, then my guilt will just kind of quiet down. Either so I how about we take your question differently? Let's stop. Let's stop one second. Notice what you're doing. You've done appropriate behaviors. Let's assume from your side you've set a boundary and a limit. And part of life is we got to be able to set boundaries and limits. Okay. Now you're having regret when you're setting boundaries. Because I'm not sure I did the right thing. That's right. Now, what I hear from you, your question should be is, when I set boundaries, I usually walk around with regret. Can you please help me how to not feel regret? Uh-huh. Do you understand what's going on? Your, I believe your question is a deeper question. Possibly. Okay. So can now you let's take your question? question to a deeper level. How many times in life do you find yourself feeling doubtful and afraid and regret whenever you set a boundary, when you say no? Would you say 50% of the time? Would you say 70% of the time? Will you say 90% of the time? Will you say 100% of the time? Usually I'm confident with my boundaries that I set. And why are you walking around with doubt with this one? Just explain it to me. Because I, I know she's a sensitive girl, and whatever, I don't, I don't want to hurt her. I feel bad for her. That's right. Now, this happened years ago. Why are you still thinking about it? I'll tell you. First of all, it's not, I'm, I, I, it's not so many years ago that I graduated school. How about you speak to one of the teachers? I feel like we're going back and forth. I, I want to understand why this is different than other places. You're saying you can set boundaries well. When you stopped, did you speak to your parents about it? Did you get their backing? Did you speak to any adult? Yes, I did. Great. And what did they tell you? That I, that I stopped. That's right. So if you did what's appropriate, what's your question? Because I'm wondering, again, maybe it's because I'm not confident with a boundary that I set. That's right. So now I the question like is, how can I'm you be comfortable? I feel like I have a little bit of a chaos to be good with her. Ah, so let me phrase my question differently. Do you find when it comes to mitzvahs where you're walking around doubt? Maybe. Yes, Rav Nissen? Hello. hello, yes. Yes, hello. Yes, Rabbi. No, um, we hear you. I thought you were talking to us. You heard you me talking? Yeah. Uh, some, something saying, wrong hello, with hello, the phone. I thought you were referring to us. Okay, something wrong with the phone. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, sure, no problem. So the question that I'm asking you is, when it comes to mitzvahs, do you doubt yourself there if you should have set a boundary or not? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. So now what can you do? So now let's phrase your question. What can you do when you do mitzvahs or when sometimes you don't do a mitzvah because you, let's say you need to take care of your family, that you might have some stress? What can put you at ease with that? Okay, so answer that question, please. Oh, no, we shifted on to you. Oh, so that, that was... <laughs> What, mm-hmm. what I should do to feel confident with my decision? Yeah, what can mitzvahs? you do? Yeah, what, is, what does everyone do when they are mitzvahs and when you sometimes need to set a boundary? I guess I, guess I need to ask for advice. That's exactly the right answer. So now you call up a Rav or a Rebetzin, and you ask and you say as follows, whenever I set a boundary, sometimes I have to, it's healthy, I walk around with regret. Uh-huh. And therefore, what you're going to save yourself is you're not going to call this girl if your family and parents or respectable adults told you you need to set the boundary. You don't call her up to connect her when you set a boundary. You learn how just like with, just like with regular tasks, it's important to set a boundary. The same is with mitzvahs, and that's why we have Rabbanim to help guide us. Okay. Right, so is that clear now? Did we sort of get to the clear point? Yes, we did. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. Okay, good night. Good night. Have a wonderful evening. You 
too. And the number to call up to ask your question is 718-683-5858. We'll go to Mrs. C. Okay, we're going to Mrs. C. Mrs. C, you're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi, hello. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, I called you up last week. I have twin boys of three years old. Yes, that's right. We got so many different feedback. Yes. Okay. So my question is like this. So you actually told me I should try to connect to this child, which, interesting enough, um, usually talk about that usually our, our children, that is our nature of the husband, that's more difficult. Mm-hmm. That means that this child that I'm talking about has my husband's nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I do. I did try to connect to him, but what happened was that I lost the other child. Meaning, I don't know how to explain. I can't balance both. Okay, so here's where you need a little guidance. You need one-on-one guidance. Yeah. Yeah. You can't That's give me simple. any advice. Well, let's, uh, the same let's as you did with the, you, you with the notice, idea. Notice we um, changed the rule when you asked it under the age of eight that we don't take. Because it's, I always said, most of the time under the age of eight, it's the parents that they need to be assured, they need to know how to do skills. Oh, so this is also um, considered parenting from my side. Well, well, whose side is it? Is it it's your me. kid that needs attention? Or is it that you don't know how to balance giving two kids attention? I don't know how to balance time? both because That's now I got right. the other so one and I lose the first one. So the kids issue is that now a skills base that you need to learn how to do it. Okay, so I got each separately. I need to learn how to do both together. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, so thank you very much. Yeah. Sure, sure. But I'm very – can we just pay attention to what we've noticed? That we, you originally said that, right, that kid A, let's say, at home is very loud, but kid B is very quiet at home, but in school, he's very loud. And we asked why, and then you said, because kid B at school gets attention from the Rebbe. So when we asked you, why don't you go ahead and give him some more attention, which is what you're doing, or which way, all of a sudden the kid is now starting to become more alive and starting to be participating because he's getting the attention. But then now kid A is falling back. And now your question is, how do you learn to balance and to juggle giving two kids attention? Right. So let's recognize to all of us listening that parents, there's so much within us, so much within our power, just giving kids, a li- not a little, giving kids attention makes such a huge difference. Right, Rav Nissen? Giving love, giving attention is that important. Okay, thank you very much. Wait, what would you want to what? share? What are you hearing from this response? I'm hearing from this one thing, but I want to ask you another thing, because I also have another child, and I don't feel that I'm taking anything away from the other child. And it's only between these two, because I don't know what, why it is so. So it's not that I, I can juggle two, meaning the other child does not, it doesn't like matter how I treat my twins, so the other child gets the same attention anyways. I just see it difficult here just with the twins. Yeah, now my question would go to you again. What's the difference between the twins and between everyone else and the um, other because kids? Maybe the other child is more my nature and it's easier to connect. I don't have to think. I don't have to put in my mind to do that. And this child, because I need to put in more effort, I don't. I lose the other one. I don't know why, but I do have to mm-hmm. put in more effort for this child. Yes, these are all. These are all potential reasons. Right. So I'll try to see how I can find my answer. Then if you say that yeah. I need to ask It's usually one-on-one. On one. Here's where we get a little guidance, and these things will help out. Okay, thank you very much for your, for your help. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with everyone that, yep, attention works. Harav Nissen, do we have anyone here? Me? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Some. Right. Uh, I. I want to tell to all the listeners, please, the phone line, the seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight, is for asking questions, is not to listen. 
The listen number is 712-432-4217, 712-432-4217 or 718-506-9099, 718-506-9099. Right now, I cannot handle the phone call that I thought that you, you, you don't, uh, you know, just please, if you want to ask question, just call this number, 718-683-5858. Don't occupy our uh, phone lines. Because some people want to ask questions. So please listen to the number 712-432-4217. 712-432-4217. I cannot handle the phone calls. Mordechai, <laughs> take over. I'm just trying to get uh, some, okay? Sure. Excellent. So to everyone listening, let's go ahead and discuss a drop before Pesach pressures and stuff that are happening. And I really just feel pride, I should say, more than difficulties or, or pressure. I just feel pride with the amount of information that I hear from people, how they're growing, how life is changing, all with the power to be strong, to be solid, to be confident, and to recognize that what's important is important that the family stays happy, stays calm, And that's really a goal, that once we can have this, we see such a major change all over. The kids are appreciating and they're loving to hear the, the Haggadahs and the Manashtana, and the girls are willing to help out and say, to do whatever is needed. There's just such a change once the parents, us the parents, have that inner com- that confidence and the peace. That's what's so important. So, Merit Hashem, if we can remember and just focus that that's what we'd like to have in our lives, how can we find the peace, the comfortability, and the happiness to be within ourselves that when we're going to deal with Pesach, with the Yontav, with things not working out the way we'd like, sometimes things don't work out, we had expectations that our tires won't work out, the food might work out, it's all okay, what can we do? to stay calm, to stay happy, to bring in a smart, cute happiness in an enjoyable level with, with Pesach. That's the goal if we can focus on that. And there's such a change that happens everywhere else once we can do that. Yeah, so important, so important for us to be able to find that power. Now, several ways on how we can do that. Number one, prepare in advance on an emotional triggers. What are some of the triggers? I need to do something for someone else. Someone else is expecting of me to have a certain type of say they're more than others or different than others. Each of these are reasons that can trigger us. We have an expectation on what the Seder or the preparation has to look like. Another big one is when we can let go that not everything will happen, if we can change our focus, our focus is that it should be a yantiv, a simcha, of happiness, of smiling, Not the food is that important. Not the amount of vatayers that we say is important. Not that it's not that, not that it's not important. It's not that important. We have to remember what's the ikr, what's the tafel, and everything that I'm saying has to do with Rabbanim. In fact, this year, they've even written a, a, a sefer, come out in English, just to tell you what are the halachas of Pesach and recognize why are the minhagim. Because halachas and the tire was meant to be sweet and peaceful and easy. And that's what we would like to make sure that we stay that way. So thank you all for that. We are going to go to Ms. T. Rabnison, let's go to when, Ms. T. When does it get onto the system? The next day, Mertesham. Yeah. Did you have another question you'd like to ask? Hello, Ms. T. Yeah, hi. Yes, hello. Yeah, so my question is like this. Um, last year and this year, our class had a lot of politics, and like nobody got along with each other, and it was very bad. And this year, I recently spoke to a girl, and I asked her, like, by the way, like for forgiveness, like now we're on good terms already. So she told mm-hmm. me that she'll be hurt forever, but she could do me a favor and maybe like forgive me before Yom Kippur or... Whatever, so 
I told her I was also very hurt, and she told me she's shocked that I'm hurt. She wouldn't think it, and whatever. So now she, she told me, yeah, she can't forgive me. And I know for myself that I didn't do anything too bad. She did the same thing like I did, and whatever. So I want to know, like, how do I deal with someone that doesn't want to forgive me and has a hatred toward me? Your question is very complicated because you're asking a how-to question. What should you do? Those are very, very difficult to do. We can help create an awareness, and the awareness okay. we can start creating is that when someone is hurt, we need to know how to let it work out and to allow them to speak and for us to have a chance where we can speak so people want to be understood. Now, therefore... You tried speaking to her, okay, I want to ask you Mechila, but when she wanted to speak her emotions or the pain that she felt, she didn't get the validation. She wasn't given the opportunity to get that, which she makes did, she her said very she didn't want to go into detail. Angry. So she responded to you, right? So she responded right. to you based on an answer that she really wasn't that ready for. But this was after our class had a therapist. Well, then, oh, excellent. In that case, call up the therapist. Beautiful. Get but she stopped coming because officially, out. I don't know. What? She doesn't come anymore because cause officially everyone's on good terms already, but there's still girls that can't forgive other girls. Great. So go ahead. And how, what would happen now if you inform the school, I can use some help speaking to the therapist? We've no, had I don't a couple need it. who are still not completely done. Well, I need a therapist now. She should go to the therapist. No, no, no. Well, I'm sorry. You misunderstood it. I, it sounds like you understood that I said you need a therapist. You need guidance how to work this out. Right. Right? Do you know how to work this out? Oh, this is a detail. I could try being very nice to her and acting very natural to but her. But that's right. But understand, you're not even realizing what she wants. What she first needs is to understand so there would be, let's say, there would be about 10 steps that I would share with you the ideas, but you would need actually to discuss it with someone to get the details after you try it, what worked and what didn't work. So for example, step number one is to go over and tell you, you nothing. Know, I want to work it out. First, let me write down all your pains. And what did you go through and what's your perception? And you actually mm -hmm. write down, she felt you neglected her. She felt you picked other ones on top of her. She felt that you actually badmouthed her to other friends that she wanted to make. There can be a list of things, and some of them might be true. Some of them might only be a little bit true, like 10% true. Some of them might be completely false. But what most people do, if a friend starts telling you, you did this, oh, no, I didn't do that. Right. Or they say, you did this, I didn't do it completely, I did a little. Or you did this and this, well, you did it even worse. There's mm -hmm. information, knowledge, how to work out when there's a difficulty that we need to be taught. And that you need someone to guide you. Not only is it information-based, but it's also guiding-based. So the first okay. step, for example, is, I'd like to work it out. Before you start listening to her complaints or what she's upset or hurt about, you ask her, are you interested in also working out and to letting go of the pain? She might say no. She's and then not the interested. Question, she and then, told me. What? She told me she's not interested. She doesn't want to talk about it. Never. She doesn't want to. Okay. Nothing. Then you move on. And then you speak right, to so her, I, I how ask do you, what times? do you do? What? I should ask her three times for forgiveness, and then I know I did mine. You see, now you ask a Rav or Rebetzin just to make sure the halachas. Everyone knows that, but mm -hmm. I don't know the details of the halacha. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. Yeah. And then you learn to move on. Not always do people want to change. Well, it might affect me in the long run. Ah, how's it affecting you? Yeah, there's always stories of people not having kids because people are hurt. Oh, so then you spoke to her of what are you supposed to do, and then you move on. Because right. we can't live with a person that's upset at us. Mm. We can't. Okay, on the other hand, I wonder if she said that she'll never forgive you because maybe the way you asked her forgiveness. No. So understand no. there's a lot about a delivery. What would happen if you go over to her and tell her, you know, last year the entire class was in a mess. School even brought down a social worker to help uh, work it out. I feel I might have done some things that hurt you. 
I'd like to discuss it with you and see if we could work it out. And if she says, oh, we could never work it out, which is a normal response to someone in pain, saying, can we at least discuss it, and maybe after we discuss it we can work it out? So do you realize why you need a little guidance here? Yeah, I see. A principal would also be good to talk to. A principal would be great to speak to, because the principal can even bring you into the with that girl and say, girls, let's work this out. Right. Okay, fine. Do you get the concept? And I hope we can help a lot of people get it, get this concept. Uh, the concept is that we can work things out later in our lives. We really can. Rav Nissen, what do you say to this? Okay, I guess she's not here. Okay, fine. Right. Thank you so much. Right. So what I would like you to realize is that it is very easy and very sweet and nice to work things out. When you go over to a person and they're in pain, don't expect them to right away with open hands say, sure, especially but I, if they I'm were the victim. Pain. What? I'm also in pain. I just... Well, then how about you approach her and you share that with her? Do you know we need That's to talk about this? So I would like to talk about this because I'm still in pain from that, and I would like us to. I don't want to walk around with the pain. I don't want you to walk out with the pain. Mm-hmm. And if it's another one of uh, another two of her friends, and she told me that they they also can't forgive me. Well, then you. Well, how would you? What would you like to do then? I don't know. I want to talk to all of them, but well, maybe it's not. A, maybe you shouldn't do it all together. Maybe they'll gang up and they'll blame you. Maybe it should be one on one. Maybe it should be everyone together. Maybe it should be with a principal there. Right. Right. So what I'm saying is, these are details where, until we're not directly involved with both parties, we don't know exactly what's happening. We don't know what they're feeling. We don't know what they might have heard about things that might not even be true. Yeah, that I know for sure. Yeah, that's right. So when they're saying they can't forgive you, maybe the information that they heard, that's not true, they can't forgive you. And the same is on your part where you'll tell the principal you also want to forgive them. And you can't forgive them unless you might find out that things that was heard or said in their name isn't either true. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are you getting from our conversation? Uh, I need more guidance. And Good, but, yeah, but tell me, how did you call up? What was your thoughts originally about your friends, and what's it changing now? What my thoughts were about them? Yeah. Uh, they're, so, they're so nasty at me, like, why can't you forgive me? That's right. And there might be, like, things I don't know about. That's right. And what's the answer? What are you hearing now? That I have to talk to someone. And what will what what are you going to talk about? The whole story, with all the details. And and what are you hoping? What do you want to gain? I should forgive me. What, let's be clear. What will you gain? That they will understand you. You will understand them. You might realize that there is a place for their hurt. You might even apologize for some of the pain that you caused. They might apologize. For, they'll understand your side. They might understand that you're under pain. Mm. They might be able to apologize to you for what they do. Mm. Right? And another one of my, another two of my friends... Uh, they also told me I can't forgive them. So That's what right. There? So look how brave you are. By you going over to the to the principal and start saying, I want to work it out. That's our goal. But I've got a lot of pain. They've got a lot of pain. How do we work it out? Mm. And here's where you can get the guidance on how to do it. This is for all teenagers listening. 
Okay, fine. I appreciate it. Yep. You got it. Excellent. Hi. So the number for okay. those listening to call up to ask your question is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And we go to Mrs. G. Mrs. G, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen on JRootRadio.com. Not so, not so, I am not so. <laughs> I just okay, want, today I'm telling, is busy with the phones, a lot I'm, of complication, but in general. <laughs> thank you. In general with Harav Nissen. Hello. Um, I yes, would like hello. to ask you, um, from what age could you um, diagnose someone with sensory issues? I don't know. Hmm. But you definitely can tell at young kids, right, three, four years old, you can start seeing things. Right, and what I don't about know the exact me? age. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. Excellent. And again, the number for someone to call up is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we're looking forward to reminiscence. What Should we take some questions, some text? Okay, so we got over here a question, which I don't really understand. Questions like this. What can I do, what can a person do to balance taking care of themselves and dealing with their boss at work when they conflict so much with therapy and psychiatrist appointments? I'm not really sure what the question is. Maybe the question is that how can someone be in therapy and work if so much of their work is due to so much of the fights at work is because they are not because they're taking off going to therapy? Well, if that's the question, then the question is should they have taken their job? They might need then a lower level job. So part of us is we function at a certain level. And we've got to be able to function at the level on what we're at. So if a person needs more intensive therapy in their life and they're taking a job that does not allow them to take care of their first initial mental health needs, then what they need to do is they need to take usually a lower-paying job with a lower uh, a job which will have less um, hours there. And let's see what happens. And let's see if they can function at that level. So therefore, when people come to therapy, one of the steps that sometimes they have a bigger pressure from doing too much, doing things that's out of their league, and we just got to lower it and do to a more realistic level, to a more uh, level where they can function and succeed on. So let's say they would need to go once a week to therapy and to go to their psychiatrist, and they can only work three days a week. Then they first take a job of three days a week. They work on whatever they're working on with their mental health stuff. As they get stronger and better and healthier within themselves, the next step what they're going to do is they're going to see if they could start doing different appointments, different hours, maybe at different therapists, and then start taking more hours of a job and see if they can hold it, if they're able to balance that. If they're able to do that, that's a success. That's great. If they're not, then the next step is to figure out what can they do for them to be successful or lower their expectations again to stay there, and that's where they're at. We just need to accept that not everyone is at every place where they can be. So the number to call up to ask your question is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. It's amazing, though, what what technology is doing and what kind of technology is ruining. You know, right now I get avalanche of phone calls, and I'm trying to explain to people that please call the other numbers. 712-432-4217, 712-432-4217. And our phone is basically is crashing because of this, and uh, I we cannot get the right to the, the, the listeners that we want to ask questions. We can't questions. get the callers. Uh, really, you know, this, uh, uh, if you want to text us, so text the, the number 347 Nine two seven eight three nine eight three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. It seems like it's one of these yes, days, you know. <laughs> Rosh Chodesh Nissan. 
You know, right, Ma- Ma- Chodesh yeah. Tov, Mordechai. And maybe this is a Tchilat Gula, hopefully it's Tchilat Gula, it's Shoz Simane Gula. We don't need any question. Yes. Beautiful. So let's go read one of the texts that you sent me earlier on the okay. program. Hi, thank you so much for your program. I constantly listen and try to apply your ideas. Is it normal for a person to go to therapy each week through Thursday? I'm not sure. Therapy each week through Thursday dealing with depression, anxiety, and trauma? So maybe the question is, should a person be, let's say, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in therapy for, for depression, anxiety, and trauma? And I'm going to say something that's very sad and almost controversial. It really depends how ill the person is. So I'll ask you the same question. If someone isn't feeling well, does it make sense to go to a doctor Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and a Thursday? And the answer is that that's what a hospital is for, where people are there sometimes several days, sometimes several weeks, sometimes several months. So there are specific centers where they specialize. There's in New Jersey, and I'm doing a little more research if they have them in Manhattan or New York, where they have special places for personality disorders for borderlines, where they're in either an outpatient facility, but they need the skills every single day and several hours that every day they go to therapy, every day they go to group skills, and every day they are intensive therapy levels. So it starts at about 8 or 8.30 in the morning, and it goes till 3.30. And they are learning skills for sometimes six to eight weeks all day. Some people, unfortunately, have something that severe they can't function, and that's what they need. So the answer is, very possible, very possible that it's necessary, yes. So unfortunately, people might need it that much, but just like we understand it in the medical process, the same issue is in the mental health process, that yes, that is what is needed, and unfortunately, if that's what is needed, then that's what's needed, and we just got to do it. And the point to focus on is not really how often you're going, the point is really, are you getting better? Are you dealing with the issues? That's really what I'll be focusing on. And if you're going every day, that's good. And if that's what you need, that's good. On the other hand, let me now share the other side of it. And the other side of the coin is as follows. If you're not experienced dealing with certain cases, for example, personality disorders, personality disorders, and I'm talking about the borderlines, will want therapy daily. And for them, besides for this treatment centers where it's specially geared and they know what they're doing, the, the therapy for personality disorders is actually not to be in therapy every day. Now, I know what I'm saying is controversial because I'm going to see all those pictures, but I did go for therapy every day. Why is my therapist doing it? If your therapist is experienced in borderlines, they know what they are doing. Other than that, you should not be in therapy max twice a week, and on average, it's once a week. I should share again, there's an exception to that. If you are also doing marriage counseling, so sometimes you might be in individual therapy, you might also be doing marriage counseling. That could be three or four times a week. Another exception to that is psychoanalysis. Psychoanalysis believes in two, three times a week is the way to do therapy, and that's where they see the biggest and the greatest results. So again, depending on the system, depending on what you're doing, this is a discussion that you have with your therapist And if you're not sure about it, then just feel free to call Relief. They are there to help you, and they can tell you or share with you based on this. Let's try another another evaluation. Let's see what's going on with another therapist. Each of this is possible and easy to work on. All right, we got a caller that got through. We are going to Ms. W. Hi, you're on with Mordechai on jrootradio.com. Hello? Ms. W? Hello? Yes, hello. Hi. I'd like to ask you a question. Um, I want to ask you, what would you suggest in a case where you've done a mistake, you've already excused yourself? I'm sorry, could you say again? I didn't, I, I, you're, you're coming out a little quiet. Can you speak up a little? Sure. First of all, thank you so much for your program tonight. I really appreciate your time that you're giving away for the class. You're welcome. Thank it's you. I appreciate so that. And 
I'd like to ask a question. I have someone that has done a mistake to them, and I was wondering if, like, what you would suggest in a case where I've already excused myself and tried to explain myself, and for some reason I feel like they, they still went out, like, with her feelings, and I wasn't sure how I would face them again, just, just like that. Would you say I just ignore it? Well, you're not at ease with yourself. It's about you. It's not about them. Again? The issue is you. The issue is not them. Let's try this again. Can we do the role play? Can you tell me, because since we're talking about forgiveness, I'd like people to hear what it sounds like. How did you apologize to her? What did you tell her? So I told them it really isn't them that I was trying to to do anything against them. It was more like I have... I had foreseen something, and therefore I wasn't available to do whatever it was we made up. I'll do. And okay. Just kind now of let me left. ask you. So, what did you tell her? What were the words? Let's assume you made up to bring her lunch, and you didn't bring her lunch. How did you apologize? Right, right. So, what's your question? Let's assume you were supposed to bring me lunch, and you didn't bring me lunch. How did you apologize okay. to me for not bringing lunch? Okay, I'm really sorry. I didn't expect that I was having an appointment on the same at the same time that um, I made up to bring you lunch. To me, I I thought it was an hour difference, and therefore I had a different schedule for this hour. So right. I really feel bad. I, I don't know what like I have to do. It's just I don't know how to work it That's out. That's right. I made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So that person will go, What do you mean? Why why do something else instead of instead of doing what we made up? Like, like how are you doing it? Um because it was, I let's say I was so it's I was, not because I don't want to help you, it's just because I also have other roles. I'm a mother or I'm okay. a friend. That was what I told them and in the end they they sarcastically kind of agreed that okay, they'll give in. She, she wasn't even saying that she's okay, or uh, she understood. Like, I understood so from her that like, she was saying step, certain things, but I heard something else say, totally. But what do and you therefore, I feel me? like she was totally disagreeing with what I told her, and and, and she was left um, I don't know. She left me like with. Okay. So what you are saying is she really didn't forgive you. She was sarcastic. Now, what would happen if you'd call her up and tell her? Why are you sarcastic? I call to apologize. I'm human. What's the issue here? Am so, I not allowed to be human? So they were, in a way, like talking as if they they agree that we all make mistakes. But the next minute they were like, but I'm left, like, I'm kind of like um, I'm left hanging. Like, what are you trying, what, what could I do? That's right. Well, what happens right when you share it with them? So tell them, and when you hung up, you made me feel guilty. That's not healthy. Why would you do that to me? Okay. Imagine you could actually be open and discuss that with them. Well, Why she would say, well, guilty? I feel bad. I, I felt equally bad. Like, what are you trying? Like, I'm still, actually, I'm still feeling bad about it. That's I right. felt like so I, I thought you called really her up. Watch this. So why don't you call her up saying, you remember when I called you what? to apologize last week and we spoke and then you hung up and I felt you were sarcasm. Were you sarcastic? I felt hurt when I called you up and I'm still hurt about it. What about it turned the whole thing to me? Like, like, what are you trying to say now? You left me hanging and you're still complaining about it? You left me hanging and I'm hurt. The way we hung up, I perceived it, not that she did. I perceived you were very sarcastic. I'm trying to think how I would do it if I'm not so strong to. So then, that's <laughs> going to be much more difficult. Because at the time when I spoke with them, even even though the words were very like very nice words, they were kind of I don't know. 
to me, it was threatening. The, the, the attitude that I had to the way they were trying to, I don't know, was too difficult. I was trying, I'm trying to think if it's, if, it, if there is a way of dealing with such a person, just if a piece, just go back. If it's already, let's say, over a month. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend? So- it's about you getting confidence, you getting stronger. This is just what I continue seeing. That is, that when we, the issues within ourselves, and as we get stronger, we can face and deal with the stuff. It's all about our inner growth. That's what you're just showing. That when you're strong enough, you can speak to people like that. You feel stronger having an opinion, voicing it. What do you say? If I justify mm-hmm. what I did, it's only. There's no point in it. Sorry, say that again. To do what? Let's say if she if she's proving me wrong at the end, yeah. How so she proving that's you what wrong? I All you're saying do. is when I hung so up. So kind of say like I understand what you're saying, but still, I don't think it was right. It was right of you not doing so because since she knew how I juggled myself, she figured that it's not right. What is it? I took something over her. I don't feel I'm understanding you, to be honest. Let's try this. You're going to call her up and say, hello, Miss So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. You know, when I called you last week to ask forgiveness, I called to work things out. I felt when we hung up, you were very sarcastic, and I think about it, and I have a bit of a bad flavor. Can we please finish our conversation? What would she say? So I assume she'll at first just, Dismiss the whole thing. Like, act like her. Instead, not, of, instead of what first do the role play, say, act like she would ask. Well, no, I told you. I decided I was going to give in and finish. I'll, so I please don't, don't give in because you didn't give I'll in. Be the you did, you made me feel very I'll bad. be the good one. So. so again, so that's not a good one. You did it in a way that hurt me. So how can we please do it again? Let's continue the conversation. Let's come to a way where both of us will be happy or both of us need time. But eventually when we speak together, we'll both be even. I don't want sarcasm. Why are you saying sarcasm? I wasn't sarcastic. I told you exactly what what I felt. I told you I don't think it was right of you doing so. But I'm not the person that was... Make a whole fuss, so I'm going I'm to be my best. I'm right, going to so give Let me tell you my issue. So I have an issue. How can we have a relationship, or how can I ever do anything with you when I don't feel that there's room for me to make a mistake? Again, could you repeat that? I didn't hear you. Sure. Clearly. How can we have a friendship relationship if there's no room for me to make a mistake? How would you like it if roles were reversed? You have so many different things to do. And what's happening is, and you don't, and you make a mistake once, and I don't forgive you. I hear you. What if she's not, she's not enough um, patience with me, and she's not listening as I am now? Well, what do I do? Like she's trying to. I got a different question. Why do you want again, repeating friend? herself, and. I, like, at the time when I spoke with her before in the past, it was like I was just listening into what she said because I figured justifying will never, will not do any anything better, and it's not going to change it. So I mean, it's better if you do anger. Good. So that's something you now need to realize. Do you want to have a, such a friend like that? Do you want a relationship that she feels she's always right and you have no room to make a mistake? And when she gives in, as if she gave in to you, she'll do it in a sarcastic way that hurts you. I wouldn't, but the, the problem is that I meet them, and I, I don't want to like feel like. Okay, so that's someone. part of the price. Until you get healthier friends. Hundred percent. Yeah, what do you say? I said hundred percent. You know, this is you don't need some friend like this. With with this kind of friend, you don't need enemies. With all the respect, you know, if you if they. Basically, you're saying that either 
I just be honest to them or I just let it go? You said there's a reason why you need them. So when you, when you need people, sometimes you tolerate some of the uncomfortabilities. But then when it's not needed, you move on. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yes, thank you. We've got over here some... Do we have any callers, or uh, should we take a text? No, I, I would, I would love to know what time is uh, limit this today tonight. Yeah, and I, I would love to talk about the text about the Pesach. You know, the two two issues of Pesach is the cleaning, and yeah. how the relationship in between the families when it come to different houses. It's very, very uh, critical. So. Yeah. So let's let's uh... let's take the first one. The real issue is I don't have a real answer or a simple answer. So let's take the first one, which is hardest of all. My father-in-law is verbally abusive to my mother-in-law. I have a good relationship with them, and I'm going to be spending the first days of Pesach with them, Eretz Hashem. I still can't get used to the way my father-in-law speaks to my mother-in-law, and I get so uncomfortable. How can I deal with it? A question like this is generally needs to be done in person. Could we help them recognize, what can you and your wife do? Is there a certain time when they speak that way? If there's a fight, can you just pick yourself up and go somewhere else while they have the fight and come back 20 minutes later? Is it possible for you and your wife to make a little seder, sit at the other end of the table? Is it possible for you guys to sing? Is it possible for you guys to go certain day meals and invite yourself out? Is there a way to, I don't know, there's like, even discuss it with your father-in-law. Like, there, there are certain options out there. I would say, I would say that many times, many times, uh, maybe also I'm, uh, I, I want to put another, another uh, point of view please, of this, you know. because I, I don't do well on this. Okay, so I, I would say that many times we're coming to uh, assumption that this couple probably married many years, okay? And the relationship between them, are very so look again i don't know but it could be that a very solid and this the way of talking in the in between themselves you know so people can take it you know for example oh, that's I, nice view i i want to tell you for that's example nice. we are israelis i'm telling you the truth me and my wife as a, as a certain uh code and speaking that for the american maybe it seems like rude maybe it seems like uh a too direct and sarcasm, but this is like the Israel—it's kind of Israeli mentality, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, as you can you can you can go to a mentality that it's totally different from you, and basically translate in new terms to the, the, this is you know like let's let's put it like this in a certain culture people eating with with the end, okay? That's right. And you come to this and you get. How can I? How can you know? I can come to you, and it's 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 impossible. I cannot. I cannot help it. But this is their culture. It's not the be. It's not abusing uh, uh, behave. It's a behave of this. I would say. I would say that to a son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws on any guest that coming to to, to uh, Pesach, be with open-minded 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 Different ways of doing things and 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 be you know what we say hachamim kamayim lamayim ken lev adam lada be with a full positive uh, approach and you see that it's will working but when you come up with a negative approach in the me in the beginning you every single will bother you you know every single stuff will bother you how we behave how we talk like this and we we we, we know the effect of the air condition you know that you know that, that when you have something that's small noisy you know make you drive crazy the neighbor you know the neighbor you know you, you can somebody is knocking on the wall they put the nails in the wall the neighbor can get banana and crazy and, right. But when you knock for putting your picture, it's like music for you. That's right. So this is something that I would I would love to all all of us to take it upon ourselves. First of all, as a Jewish, be melamed zchut. You come to a people house and be respect to them. Come to you know you, you know when so many times we had saw the question you know I was young I was taking care of my 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 younger brothers and now I'm young, my younger brothers doesn't want me to come with my children to the house or making faces on me. 
It's not a matter of what you took care about your younger brothers or, this, or siblings. It's a matter that respects territory. You cannot let your children, you, you know, to come to the grandpa or to give brothers and you know, sister house and ruin the place because when you're young, you was taking, uh, you know, you're taking care of them. And yeah. you have to understand also the grandpa and grandma are tired. So sometimes right. this, this is something that's very, very big issue to, to talk about it. What do you say, Mordechai? I agree 100%. Not to project or our expectations what things should be and how it should be, and allowing everyone to do things their way, and allowing and recognizing it could be us, And instead of being upset and like you're saying, oh, the parents or in-laws, they're fighting, how about you even do it the other way? How about you ask, what can I do? Imagine you call up your in-laws before Pesach and say, what can I help? How can I make it easier? What can I do to help that the Seder should be calmer this year than all years? Imagine what happens if a son-in-law and daughter-in-law do that. Yes. This is this is amazing. It's really it's something very important to all of us. You know, you're sure. coming to a different a place. A father and a mother, whoever runs the Seder, there isn't enough money to get it done. No matter what you do, you're going to spend thousands more. It's not possible to cook enough food. No matter what you're going to cook, you're always going to need more. This is talking about once you already have the children and grandchildren coming and son-in-laws and sometimes even great-grandchildren. It's just overwhelming. That is the reality of hosting, preparing food for 20, 30, 40 people. Everyone wants to say the Haggadah. Everyone wants to do it at the same time. You have to prepare the food. Things don't happen on its own. You have to serve the food. Serve the to food. Serve, That's to take right. out the dishes from the table, you That's know, and right. clean the floor. <laughs> exactly. And then a kid is crying. Then put a kid to sleep during the, during the Seder. And then this one spilled the grape juice all over the table. And if you mock it on it's an entire tragedy that's going on just then. There's so much going on that that mother and the father, the responsibility is on to them. And uh, I guess the simple thing that I might recommend is sometimes if those sons and daughters from Bar Mitzvah Bachar age and on, from 13 and up, because we got a lot of them listening, go to your parents and ask your parents, can I have a job? And they might say, your job is to fill up the Bachers. Your job is just to take off the dishes. Your job is just to help serve the fish. Your job is to help serve the soup. Your job is to prepare five dvatairas. Just keep a dvatairah. Your job is to start those songs. Let everyone have a little bit of job. Your job is when the kids are fighting, I want you to be mavatar. This seder, I want you to be the mavatar child. Yes. Just to recognize that if we ask our parents how do we help Instead of blaming, oh, they are um, abusive, I wonder what would change. Yeah. Again, if they really are abusive, it won't change. But if they're not abusive, they're just overwhelmed, like what happens to so many. Can we realize the mother the night before the Seder, how she's up all night? The father before the Seder's up at night? Everyone wakes up very early that day. We're going on barely any sleep, on our feet, cooking and cleaning the entire time. And now... We expect when everyone gets together, and there's always going to be one, two, or three, or four of the grandchildren are going to be crying. You could have 20 smiling, but many of them are going to be, some of them will be crying, which gets everyone edgy. And we're having kids getting adults edgy when adults don't sleep. And when you're not eating much before that, isn't always the best recipe. Yeah, so if we can gets... think, how can we help out? What can we do to help our parents and in-laws do have an easier say say let me take an all off you what can be my all my no. responsibility we see a major change in a major help. it's it's true because kids when they overtired they become cranky and crying and all this and I'm telling you as you said we have a two weeks of a lot of tension in the house you know it's a preparation the buying everything cleaning it's it's everything that's one and for the lady they're talking about how the cleaner would say you start from small steps clean one cabinet and go to the other cabinet and there's that this is this is the, beside the answer the question for the, the this but I have said that when when the, I myself when it come to the little said I tell you Mordechai, I don't drink wine 
I drank the grape wow. juice because because I, I know that if I drink the wine, I will fall asleep because all this ten all these days of non-sleeping and working. And I asked the rabbi, I said, I cannot. If I drink the wine, I will fall asleep. You know, yeah. where we where the second seder is different, but the first That's seder. Right. It's it's you know it's coming with you know and people coming to expectation that you will serve them, you will just give them what everything. It's not working. If you want yeah. that your father-in-law and your mother-in-law will be in a good time, please give them. Give them. And your parents, it's not your father-in-law, parents. You know. That's right. Just offer. Just say, how can I help? Offer to help, and you can see big changes. Okay, so we will finish in this because uh, as the technology didn't work for us this tonight. Yeah. And Ramon, thank Shabbat. you very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and hopefully next week will be bigger and stronger. Merit Hashem. Merit Hashem. Hatzlacha. Amen. Thank you. Kolto.